about this morning, we're going to take it all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. I want you to pull your Bibles out. And let me just say this at the beginning. Um, the lesson that I'm going to teach today, I may not be very well liked. And I may not be politically correct. And some of you may not feel too good or comfortable because I might be talking about some of your family members. So I'm making my declaration up front that our... Um, I'm bought with a price, and I must teach what God will have me to teach. And since they told me I can't teach next week, I had already had a message ready, I may be just a tab a little longer today. So I'm just putting all this out front, so you'll know Bishop Wonders. Marriage Reset. This is the series for the month, Marriage. Say it with me, Marriage Reset. Now, I want to take it all back to the beginning because I want to talk about the origin of marriage. I want to, go, I want to establish from the beginning why God will create such a great entity, or such a great union between a man and a woman. Now, I gave you the definition last week of marriage reset. This is my definition. You won't find this in the dictionary, but it's in my dictionary. A union between a man and a woman who have made a commitment to each other, who agree to set their marriage differently than when they first started. So it is a marriage reset. In other words, you have set yourself to start all over again, and to do it a different way than you did it the first time. In other words, you're going to make it better than what it was. Marriage reset. Foundation scripture found in Ephesians 5 and 33 says, So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So now, in order to reset your marriage, you must understand the origin of marriage. Amen. And so, why is marriage between a man and a woman so important? Well, the true meaning of anything is permanently connected to its origin. And so, let's go back to the book of beginnings, which is Genesis, to find out God's purpose for marriage. Now, in order to talk about the origin of marriage, we must first talk about the origin of man. Mankind is the crown jewel of God's creation, and God has a purpose and a plan for mankind from the very beginning that made him unique and superior to the animals in, the, in, in a number of ways. And so the underlining theme for our message out of Genesis is that the true meaning of anything is permanently connected to its origin. Got that? Now, uh, I'm going to be talking fast today, so you may want to download our app because all the notes are in the app. You may want to download the 
the TWA app, the TWC app. We got an app for the church, got an app for the school. So, you, you know, you'll be right there with your fingers. You'll be right there with everybody else, okay? But other than that, you might have to write some things down in between because I'm going to say some stuff that is not in the notes. So if you don't understand the reason and the purpose of something existence, then chances are you're going to misuse and abuse it. For example, if you don't understand that a screwdriver was designed to tighten and loosen screws and, and that's it, then you're going to abuse it by using it for all sorts of things it was never intended to do. Like stir paint or pry off a hook cap from the car tires. You would misuse it in order to try to do what you need to do. So you say, well, why can I use my screwdriver to pry off a hook cap? Because A, it won't work very well and is not designed to do that. And B, if you use it like a crowbar, it'll ruin the screwdriver. And it's never, uh, it was never created uh, to do that or was designed to do that. So you t it was designed to tighten and loosen screws. Do you agree with me? It's not a question of equal rights or compassion or my love for the screwdriver or the crowbar. It has everything to do with design. Everything that God created was designed to do something specifically. But the same is true for marriage. Everything else that God makes, if you don't know its purpose, you're going to get it wrong every time. For example, if you don't use marriage the way it's designed to be used by its creator, it won't be the satisfying experience God meant for it to be. And secondly, you'll end up permanently damaging the very purpose of God's design for marriage in the first place. Because our culture doesn't understand or maybe it's forgotten the purpose of marriage, we're like a toddler with a computer. We're missing or messing with it in ways it was never meant to be messed with. And in the process, we're destroying something very close to the heart of God. For example, we live in a divorce culture that treats marriage like extended dating with privileges. Because of that, marriage has been devalued in our society. We have people choosing to shack up with each other rather than committing their lives to each other. We even have men desiring to marry men and women uh, wanting to marry women. Now listen, all of these things, not just homosexual marriages, but all of them are perversions of what God originally intended marriage to be. If you are shacking, if you are committing adultery, if you're committing fornication, if you're homosexuality, all these things are against the law of God. I've already had my pep rally, so I'm not looking for a whole lot of amens. So I've already had it, so I'm going to just talk to you. So let's go back to the beginning this morning to the book of Genesis and see what God's original blueprint looked like. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 15. 
And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree, look at this here, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat, freely eat. Now he's giving him instructions, telling him what he needs to do. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found, you got it, and help me for him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. Verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked. See that? The man and his wife and were not ashamed. I'm going to make a statement about marriage and then uh, use the rest of our time this morning to explain what it means according to the passage that we just read. Are you ready? Here we go. Man and woman are two distinct expressions of the image of God. Did you get that part? Now listen to this. The one flesh union of marriage between a man and a woman is most complete expression of the image of God that a human can experience. It enables them as one to relate like God, to love like God, and to create like God. So very simply, God's purpose for heterosexual marriage is threefold. That's what I'm going to share with you. First, number one, to relate like God. Say that with me, to relate like God. If you study creation, you will find or you will notice that God created every living thing, whether it was a plant or an animal, to reproduce itself even mankind. But with mankind, it was different. Why so, Bishop? Well, man was made in the image of God. That makes him special and distinct from the animals. At that very center of God's image is the ability to have relationships. Of all the relationships man can have, the marriage relationship is singled out as the most important and intimate relationship that two humans can have. That's why it's so surprising when you realize that Adam was created all alone. I mean, look at him. All the animals had lots of other animals to mate with. The sea swam with life. The skies were filled with birds. But Adam is sitting there all by his lonesome. 
And now I'm sure that that didn't go unnoticed by Adam. There were millions of pairs of birds and bears and crocodiles and ducks, but there wasn't even one pair of people. Adam thinking, he's scratching his head and saying, well, great, I, I see all that, but put me in this beautiful garden surrounded by incredible beauty and abundance, and I have everything I'll ever need except someone to share it with. Amazingly, after each stage of creation got finished, he pronounced that what he made was good. And when we come to verse 18, and as he looks at man's aloneness, he pronounces it's not good. It's the only time he does this in all of his enormous creation. He says in verse 18, 2 and 18, it is not good that man should be alone. God's not admitting he made a goof or a mistake. Instead, he's emphasizing the fact that the original plan wasn't complete yet. And so one thing you must know here is the word man doesn't mean just male. The word man is a term used to refer to both male and female. In fact, verse 27, look at it, look at it, verse 27, actually says that God created man, male and female, he created them. Is that what it says in your Bible? In other words, God made us as one unit. Humanity isn't complete or whole until both parts are included. Are you hearing me? So man isn't man without the male, and man isn't man without the female. It takes both parts coming together to make the total human. And before that happens, we're running around like you know, yin without yang, you understand what I'm saying, or a sea without a shore. So knowing this, God brought animals to Adam and he went through the process of naming them, each of them. And someone said that the reason God created woman after man was so that she wouldn't be second guessing his decision. <laughs> But in reality, the whole purpose behind Adam naming the, the animals was for Adam to find a mate. Listen real good to me today. So it was the first e-hominy. So God brought the animal to Adam and together they searched high and low for a, a match made in heaven. God brings him an ugly looking creature. Adam looks at it and says... Hmm, rhinoceros. Somehow I now pronounce you man and rhino doesn't sound quite right. Well, how about an elephant? No, no, too much junk in the trunk. Okay, what about the anteater? No, too nosy. And on and on it goes until finally they, they both come to the conclusion that no suitable helper could be found. Adam was uh, bumped, bummed because he was beginning to see just how alone he really was in all of creation. So he knew he was more than just a glorified animal. 
He knew he was made in the creator's image. And he knew that he needed a partner who was made in the same image. In fact, the word helper God used here in the Hebrew is uh, ezer. Ezer. E-Z-E-R. Ezer. Kenigbi. Said it with me out loud. Ezer. Ezer is used only 20 times in the Bible. And in every instance, it talks about God and how desperate we are without him. In fact, if he doesn't show up, we're, we're toast. We're done. We're doomed. He won't survive. We won't survive without his help. Kenigdu means alongside or counterpart. So when God says that no suitable helper was found, he actually, he's actually saying that Adam needed a lifesaver. Either you're stunned or you're learning something this morning. An absolutely essential counterpart to complete him. Now watch this. Drastic surgery was required. So God gives Adam a little goof juice as him count back, as he count backwards from 10, and before he gets to five, he's out like a light. And if you've ever had surgery, you know what I'm, I'm talking about because while he was sleeping, Oh my God, but they told me, said, count backwards to 10. And when I woke up, I said, y'all done? And so God did a special procedure that hasn't been duplicated since. He sculptured out a creation from a part of his side. And that was custom fit just for Adam. My God. And it, listen, it wasn't from up top, it wasn't from below, it wasn't from above, below, but it was from his side. So notice it wasn't another man. That's because another man wouldn't complete the image of God. See, the true full image of God is only complete when the Two halves of humanity uh, complement each other and become one. We just started last month the uh, holy vegan burger, if some of you all have tried it from the bishop's grill. But when you look at what we use as bread, it's called a bun. It's not called two buns, it's called a bun, but it's got two halves. But you still call it a bun. That sandwich would not be complete. It will never be a sandwich until it has a bun. And the bun is what makes it complete because you have both halves complementing each other. I don't care if you turn the sandwich upside down. You still got what we call one bun. 
See, a male by himself can't fully represent God, and neither can a female by herself. They're only half the picture. A male can represent God's power and strength, but he does not do a very good job representing his compassion and tenderness. Are you following me? So man represents power and strength, but woman represents compassion and tenderness. And if you put two males together, you just multiplied the problem. Oh, now we finna get down to the nitty or gritty now. Men aren't physically built to represent the nurturing nature of God. Now, ladies, don't take offense to this. But the reason why you have more fat in certain parts of your body than men is for the protection of the baby when it is in the womb. Again, don't get mad about it. In fact, we men, you know, if you like me, you like a little extra padding and a little softness. I don't want nothing as hard as me. Oh, that ain't first lady right there. No, Lord, that ain't her. That ain't her. See, when I'm in the bed, hallelujah, when I reach out, I say, oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, sir. Hallelujah. Yay! How many of my brothers with me right there say amen? <laughs> and somebody said amen again. I hope I don't offend you today, but I'm just going to say like I need to say it now. On the other hand, a female all by herself doesn't do justice to the full spectrum of God's image either. However, when the two halves of the humanity unite physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and uh, psychologically, the full image of God is revealed. Both tough and tender, strong and compassionate, mighty and caring comes together and to highlight that fact even greater God created man and woman with the common uh, uh, co complementary plumbing if you will and I don't know if you know this or not but even the anatomy of a man and a woman scream that these two parts fit together That's why you both can be complete virgins, but nobody really have to tell you, you know, after a while you understand that something began to wake up in you. Something wake up in him. Something wake up in her. And we start saying, hey, let's see what we got going on here. <laughs> and somehow you'll figure it out. It doesn't take Joe the plumber to figure that, 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 that out. You know. And when Adam woke up from his sleep and God brought him uh, this new creation, he knew right away, wow, good God Almighty. This is what I've been waiting for, Adam says. Yeah. He said, she's perfect. She's perfect. And he gave her a name. He called her perfect. 
whoa, man. And he says in verse 23, look there, it says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now, reference to uh, her, her bone, it, it is a walk, a way, really, a way to um, talk about strength and using the word flesh is a way to talk about weakness. Okay? So what Adam is really saying is that where I am weak, she's strong. And where she is weak, I'm strong. Wow. Wow. And that's the way it is in my marriage. You know, how about yours? You know, I'm weak in creativity. So my wife does the organizing and she comes up with things, but uh, then again, I'm strong in communication. So I talk to the bill collectors and people like that. <laughs> Eve is a corresponding strength for Adam. And Adam is a corresponding strength for Eve. In other words, they fit together just like a jigsaw puzzle. They fill each other, they cover for each other, and they're better together than they are apart. Then in verse 24, we read, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Did you catch those words? For this reason. For this reason. Listen closely. Because the Bible is going to tell us why man and woman were brought together in marriage. And why it's not sufficient for man and man or woman and woman to be brought together in marriage. Are you listening? For this reason, a man will be united to a wife so that they can become one flesh. Okay? Two men cannot become one flesh. Two women cannot become one flesh. Now you ain't got to feel scared or sorry for me because I'm not running for office or nothing else like that. I'm just teaching the word, okay? So that word in Hebrew is echad. In the Old Testament, there's a, a prayer in the book of Deuteronomy that begins with the word, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. The Lord is Echad. It is the exact same word in Genesis 1 and 24 is using here. In other words, man and woman are one in the same way that God is one. See, what a lot of people don't understand is that the point of marriage isn't marriage just to be married. It's bigger than that. Our world isn't each had, isn't it? It isn't one. It's broken. It's shattered. It's like broken, a broken plate. Pieces all over the floor. 
And so we all know people who come from broken homes. A couple splits up. A marriage falls apart. And she picking up the pieces. But marriage is designed by God to counter all the brokenness in this world. This man and this woman, as they give themselves to each other, slow show themselves and the world what God is like. He's each had, he's one. So get this now. Healthy heterosexual marriages are a living, breathing image of the living God. And that's why it has to be a man and a woman because a man without woman isn't full, isn't full, isn't a full expression of human mankind. You got to have man and woman for it to be a full expression of, of human mankind. And woman without man isn't a full expression of man, uh, humankind. It takes both to make a human. And that's why since you are too young to know any better men you were looking for your Eve your perfect complement I remember from 12 years of age I was looking for my other part of my bun mm -mm -mm. I finally found her in church of all places Woman, since before you can ever remember, you were looking for your Adam. And you weren't going to be complete or satisfied fully until you found him. And some of you have found him or her. Others of you are still looking. But it's a natural inner drive in all of us to be with the other part, the other whole part, because it's not a half, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a half of the bun, but it is a whole part of the bun, and this is a whole part of the other part of the bun, and we both come together and we make one, since we already hold. You got it? So you say, well, what about homosexuals? Don't they have a natural inner drive in them? And the answer is no. They have a sexual drive, but it is not natural. I'm going to get a little heavy now. It's not something God gave them. Contrary to what some scientists would say homosexuality isn't really, it's not genetic. If it were, God would be condemning people for what he made them to be. And not only would that be unfair, but it would be just plain mean. And God isn't either one. Homosexuality is caused in a one of two ways. You can beg to differ with me, but it's one of two ways. Number one, sexual abuse causing confused sexual roles. Got abused while you was younger. Confused you when you was younger. Because you didn't know what they were doing. Or number two, an overbearing mother or an angry, rejecting father. These are the things that cause 
people to not know who they are and what they were created for. Something happened in their life. They were misused and abused and mistreated or done in a way that they should not have been done. They did something to them before their time and they got somebody introduced them to a spirit. And they injected their spirit in them. And that spirit formed and tried to shape them and say, you are different than what you look like. So deep down, homosexuality, homosexuals aren't happy, and they are not gay. Because gay means to be happy. They're deeply sad, hurting people. And contrary to what you may think, condoning homosexuality marriage isn't the compassionate, caring thing that you might image or imagine it to be. In fact, it's actually the most condemning, harsh thing you could ever do. It's condemning people to a lifestyle that would never give them the satisfaction, the oneness that each had. God created them to need and crave. I know it's going to get quiet. It has. That's why 75% of gay men have over 100 partners in their lifetime. And the average gay male has six partners per year, not counting their significant other. They're looking for oneness, but they're not finding it. That's because it's impossible to find a same-sex relationship that will give you that. If a gay man or woman are told and believe that their sexual preference are normal, they won't ever seek healing for their inner pain and hurt. And so they'll go on still believing the lie that somebody told them. It's like telling a drug addict. That's okay. If, if, if you, if, if what you want to do with your life, go ahead. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be, and they say what people say, I don't want to be judgmental. So I'll support you. Well, no, you're going to let him go ahead and drink himself to death. Because you don't want to be drunk, uh, judgmental. You're going to let your daughter and your son, who's 16 years old, become addicted to alcohol because you don't want to be judgmental. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're condemning them to an early death. Listen, sometimes telling the truth is the most loving, compassionate thing you can do for a person even though it's tough it's called tough love now according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services homosexual men are 1,000 percent more likely to contract AIDS and die than the general population 1,000 and you know you haven't been hearing, more, hearing a whole lot about AIDS because you got a pandemic going on but AIDS still kill people. And you know it's why it's such a cry and a drive to come up with a drug so they can keep on doing what they're doing. See, people don't want to get delivered and healed and, and set free and, and, and do it the right way. They just want you to come up with a solution 
so I can keep sinning. And that being true, do you really think condoning something that leads to death is the compassionate, caring thing to do? I don't. So God provides marriage so that we can experience the closeness and the oneness that he experiences in the Godhead between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I know I got the quiet and on the hush and on me today. I know I got it on me today. That's why I thought I was going to be teaching next week, so because I was going to kind of like, you know, balance it out. But you'll have to wait two weeks for me to balance it out. You might be showed up mad and won't come back then. So. But now the second reason God provides marriage between a man and a woman is so that we can learn to love like God. Say that with me, love like God. See, marriage allows us as God's special addition to uh, experience love and intimacy and oneness in the same way God has experienced it. Marriage between a man and a woman is the safest, most stable way to do that. And let me uh, let you in on a little secret. Love doesn't thrive very well in an atmosphere without commitment. Until you have a commitment with someone to love you for good or for bad or for sickness and health, for life, for death or life or whatever, which is exactly what marriage is, how do you know you can truly give yourself to them? See, in verse 25, that says, the man and his wife were both what? Naked, and they felt no shame. Genesis 2 and 25, that verse isn't just talking about being physically naked. It's talking about being emotionally naked. Share your deepest thoughts and feelings and fears and insecurities with someone. It's talking about being spiritually naked. Open it up the most inner part of your heart to that other person. If you give the naked parts of yourself to a person who's not committed to you for life, you're not only a fool, but you are opening yourself up for a world of hurt. No one should have your nakedness until they're ready to commit. Well, we just going to have a little fun before we get married. No! No one should have your nakedness until they are ready to commit. I'm committed to the first lady. So that make me, I, I'm able to get all the nakedness I can get. And if you married and you are committed to her, I'm talking to you. You get all the nakedness you can get. Let me just ask you bluntly. When you live with somebody, what guarantees do you have that they are not going to walk away tomorrow and leave you high and dry? See, when you give yourself to someone sexually, it's more than just a physical union. It's an emotional and spiritual union. You're allowing someone into your deepest, 
most sensitive and susceptible part of your inner being. And if for some reason after you've had sex, you break up, that union is ripped apart, give, you know, and, and, and with it, your vulnerability. So what do you do? You put up walls to protect yourself from the pain that, and, and the hurt that person caused you. And eventually you don't care anymore. You lose the ability to bond. So if anybody else talked to you, you'd be like, well, the first thing didn't work. We didn't stick. We didn't bond. So I could easily let you go too. So every time you do that, it's harder to bond. Because there's no commitment. None whatsoever. I know that the world has made, I know we got, I got to say it real carefully, because y'all, y'all, you said your children, the children, church. <laughs> I know in this world, they watch TV, we watch TV, they have made sex cheap. If you watch TV, Sex is cheap. But if you read your Bible, sex is expensive. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Every, every, every woman in here, I ain't talking about no man trying to be a woman. Every woman in here, would you just stand for a minute? Every woman in here stand. Every woman, just stand for a minute. I'm going to let you sit back down. I know you had got comfortable. I'm going to wake you up right now. Let me, can I tell y'all something? I'm going to tell all, every one of y'all. If you haven't been told before, all the way from up here, all the way up there, all the way down, all the way, all the way, all the way over here, every one of you all are expensive. You are not cheap. And don't sell yourself as being cheap. God say if he wants you He's got to pay the price because you are expensive. Give yourself a hand. You may be seated. Thank you for that. Now, don't y'all just, you know, run that in on your husband. You hear what he said, I'm expensive. But you trying to, I'm expensive, Joker. You heard what he said. I need some money right now. Bishop done made, ooh, he done gave me some ammunition now. <laughs> so Satan wants to get in there and scrape and scar your God image. And the best way to do that is for you to have sex outside safety and security of marriage. And that's why when children are abused early in life, it can take years and years of counseling and forgiveness to heal. Same happens to adults. If happened, if been sexually scarred, can you find healing? Yes. Can God restore you? Yes. God can forgive and make you new, but only if you repent and ask him to. In his eyes, you can be a virgin again. But why go there in the first place? Because this can be done, but it's going to be hard and it may be difficult. And so when the Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked and fell 
no shame. It is a celebration of the ways they've bonded. It's easy to take off your clothes and have sex. People do it all the time. But opening up your soul to someone, letting them into your spirit, your thoughts and fears and future and hopes and dreams, that's a little tougher and it needs the protection of marriage. That's why some people and end up moving from relationship to relationship, having sex, but never really being naked. Because they didn't do, do it God's way, they ended up empty and hurt. So you say, well, if two men or two women love each other, why shouldn't they be given the opportunity to marry? Because whenever God makes a law, it's for either one or two reasons. Number one, to protect us from harm. That's why sex outside of marriage is a sin. Number two, to bring maximum fulfillment of his plan. There's a reason why God restricts marriage to, between a man and a woman and forbids homosexuality. It's not because he's some kind of homophobic, homophobic and hates homosexuals. That's not the reason. It's because he designs us specifically to find the true joy and fulfillment of relationships that we're looking for only in the opposite sex. Anything short of that doesn't satisfy. He wants to spare us from deep uh, disillusionment and disappointment. Thank you, Lord. And if you use the logic that marriage should be allowed between two people if they love each other, what if I love my brother? Should I be allowed to marry him? How about if I, I say I love my daughter? Should incest be legalized? By the way, that's exactly what's happened in Sweden. They accept the same sex unions in 1994, and now brothers and sisters in the same family can legally marry. Using the same logic of, I'm in love, so I should be allowed to marry. If I love my dog, should I be allowed to marry my dog? Don't laugh. Because they do it in the name of love. It's not that far-fetched. In Denmark, uh, they welcomed same-sex marriage in 1989, and by 2004, the Danish uh, education department had produced a sex education uh, city for the junior high schools containing bestiality. So it graduates. When are we going to stop? Because if a pedophile wants to marry that little four-year-old girl, Because he says, I love her. So God, in his infinite wisdom, to keep mankind from destroying himself by its own stupidity and rebellion says, okay, here's the law. Marriage is defined between a union of a man and a woman. Anything else is sin, and it will only bring death. It's no surprise that on average gay men live 50 years less than non-gay men. 
If your lifestyle brings death, not life, I can guarantee you that God's not in it. Satan's playing you for a fool. And just to make sure you don't forget how it's all supposed to work. God says, I am going to give you interlocking parts so that you can only produce children one way. So lastly, God has given us marriage so that like him, we can to create a family like God. Say that with me, create a family like God. This is my last point. So God created mankind. You still with me? Because the loving father he is, he wanted to have an object for his love. Write that down. As a result, he created a family. That's you and me. When you get married, your love for your mate naturally spills over and you want to bring children to the world that you can share your love with. God gives us that privilege in marriage. In a very real sense, when a husband and a wife come together in sexual union, they become co-creators with God and a family is born. You become co-creators. In 5,000 years of human society or human history, only the marriage between a man and a woman has provided the stable, loving environment that need, that's needed to raise up emotionally strong and healthy kids. Every time a culture has tried to mess with God's formula, they fail miserably. If you think that homosexual families and heterosexual families are the same, then you need to do your homework. According to the statistics, the gathered from, you know, some of you have tried it, the average homosexual marriage lasts less than two years and gay men are 50% more likely to divorce in an eight-year period. Gay women are 167% more likely to divorce. So you say, well, don't heterosexual couples divorce too? Well, I'm glad you made that statement. Yes, sure. And that's just a damage, just as, da as damaging, but at least heterosexual marriage on the whole lasts longer, and that's only good for the kids. If you don't believe me, believe the testimony of a young lady. I, I found this. This young lady was given her testimony. She grew up in a homosexual household in the 60s and the 70s. Her name is done, I hope I can say her name right, Stefanowski. She says, I was, I was duped, really. Uh, basically, uh, when you hear it, if you like me, it, it grieves you. But she, she goes on to tell, tell her testimony. She says, hi, my name is Don. Stefanowski, I, I grew up in a homosexual household during the 60s and 70s in Toronto, exposed to many different people in gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, subculture, explicit sexual practice. My biggest concern is that children are not being discussed in the same-sex marriage debate. As a child, I was at high risk of exposure to uh, contagious uh, STDs due to sexual molestation my father's high-risk sexual behaviors, and multiple partners. Even when my father was in what looked like a monogamous relationship, he continued cruising for uh, anonymous sexual uh, uh, partners and 
unfortunately, my father as a child was sexually and physically abused by older males. And due to this, he lived with depression, control issues, anger outbursts, suicidal tendencies, and sexual compulsions. He tried to fulfill his legitimate need for his father's affirmation, affection, and attention with uh, transit and promiscuous relationships. Sadly, my father died of AIDS in 1991. From a young girl or from a young age, I was exposed to explicit sexual speech, self-indulgent lifestyles, varied gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, subculture, vacation spots, sex look, uh, uh, this to me as a child, I was exposed to all exclusive uh, manifestations of sexuality, including bathhouse sex, uh, cross-dressing, sodomy, pornography, gay nudity, lesbianism, bisexual, minor, recruitment, voyeurism, and exhibitionism, sad sadomasculism. So what was uh, alluded to and, ex and expects uh, demonstrated, aspects demonstrated. Alcohol and drugs were often contributing factors to lower inhibitions in my father's relationships. My father prized unisex dressing, gender uh, neutral aspects, and a famous cross-dressing icon when I was eight years old. I did not see the value of biological uh, complementing differences of male and female or think about marriage. I made vows to never have children since I had not grown up in a safe, sacrificial, child-centered home environment. Due to my life experience, I asked, can children really perform their best academically, financially, psychologically, socially, and behaviorally in an experimental situation? I can tell you that I suffered long-term in this situation, and this has been professionally documented. Over two decades, I, uh, uh, decades of, of uh, direct exposure to these stressful experiences caused me insecurity, depression, suicidal thoughts, dread, anxiety, anxiousness, low self-esteem, sleeplessness, and sexual confusion. My conscience and, and innocence were seriously damaged. It took me until I was in my 20s and 30s after making major life choices to begin to realize how being raised in this environment affected me. I'm healing, encompass, my healing encompassed facing reality, accepting long-term consequences, and offering forgiveness. Can you imagine being forced to tolerate unstable relationships and diverse sexual practice from a young age and how this affected my development. My gender identity, psychological well-being, and peer uh, uh, relationships were affected. Unfortunately, it was not until my father, his sexual partner, and my mother had died that I was free to speak publicly about my experiences. Now, unfortunately, done experiences aren't unique. Among children raised by same-sex couples, there is a significant increase in low self-esteem, stress, confusion regarding sexual identity, and increase in mental illness, drug use, promiscuity, uh, STDs, homosexual behavior, 
And that's really just to name a few. The fact is our Heavenly Father knows best. Children thrive when they have a mother and a father in a long life marriage bond. If you don't do it, just stay together for the children. If you don't want to do it, just stay there for the children. Kids need responsible, monogamous parents free of extramarital sexual partners. Parental promiscuity, abuse, and divorce are destructive for children. Listen, the fight for biblical marriage isn't against gay people. God loves gay people. God loves heterosexual people. But both are sinners. And if you're having homosexual sex, you're in sin today. If you're having sex outside of marriage and you're heterosexual, you're sinning too. If you're cheating on your wife this morning, you're sinning. It's all sin. See, God is an equal opportunity God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God of his perfect standards. And we all need to repent and decide to follow Jesus according to his condition, not our own conditions. See, that's where we get in trouble. Don't try to come to God with preconditions. Well, God, this is just who I am. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to change, you know, because you get who I am. If that's your attitude, forgiveness and change will never come. If you think I've been bringing politics into the church this morning, you need to know that this isn't a political issue. This isn't a republic or a democrat issue. This is a sin issue. This is a Bible issue. Changing the definition of marriage is a biblical issue. It is in, it is in, it's, it's in the Bible for a reason. Please understand, I'm not trying to offend anyone this morning. And if you've been offended, I'm sorry. But as a representative of God, I have to stand. I have an obligation for the truth. Otherwise, what good am I to God? What good am I to you? No matter what happens in the White House or Congress or the Senate, I'm prepared to suffer the persecution for my belief. Are you ready to suffer the consequences for your belief? I got to stand on what God said, whether, you know, ain't got nothing to do with no elephant, no donkey, none of that kind of stuff. It's all about what God say. And all through the Bible, Israel and the church are described as bride and Jesus is the groom. The Bible states and ends with wedding. In the, at the end of human history, the book of Revelation describes the marriage of Jesus and his church. And here on the earth, we only have a shadow of the real thing. Earthly marriage is just an advertiser. It's not the main cause. God established earthly marriage between man and woman to provide a time a glimpse of the spectacular true marriage in heaven between Christ and his church. You're just getting a glimpse of what's going to happen with Christ and the church. Intimacy between a married man and woman is a shadow of the breathtaking oneness that Jesus and the church are going to experience someday. Can you say amen? And no wonder Satan is so obsessed 
We're poisoning and uh, destroying marriage. And that's why we're in the battle we're in today. Ultimately, it's not about earthly marriage or our religious freedoms or our churches or even about the practice of homosexuality. It's about Satan the, the design to decimate and destroy the picture of God's ultimate design of his creation. The devil is trying to work overtime because he knows that his time is winding up. Can you say Amen. And so he wants to destroy every, I mean, the very union that God set aside to represent him and the church. So wake up. Whatever you think about this issue of marriage, I want you, I want to challenge you. What's the basis of your truth? Your feelings? I find that most people who favor gay marriage have friends and neighbors and relatives who are gay and they don't want to be seen as judgmental. But, but that, that's, that attitude can cause us to reject biblical truth just so we can, we can fit in. If you, believe that the, if you believe the Bible, then listen and obey. If you don't believe in the Bible, are you really... Or are you ready to stand before a holy God for your beliefs? It's one thing to have the, 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 the government in the country against what you believe. But it's another thing to go before an almighty God and didn't obey him because you was afraid of people. You were afraid of what the majority is saying. Are you following me? People don't realize that by agreeing with homosexual marriage, they're standing in opposition to God. Acting like they are more compassionate than God is toward great people. God's the most compassionate man you will ever meet. Don't you act like God don't know what he's doing. God is more compassionate. That's why he's got boundaries. So you don't hurt yourself. That's why he got bounds. That's why he got laws. So that you won't kill yourself. And let me make this clear. God loves homosexuals. But condemns gay marriage as wrong. And you can love the sinner and still hate the sin. God condemns, oh, you can't be wrong, you ain't got to. God condemns a heterosexual relationship that goes out of bounds. Say, at least I'm doing it the right way. But if you commit adultery, she's not your wife, she's not your husband, you still out of bounds. You're going to get judged too. You're not married. And you're doing it just for the fun of it? And you say you're one and you're not one? And you're connecting yourself with everybody? I gave him a piece, 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 gave him. Well, where are you? you just an old little small thin piece standing up there. God don't hate homosexuals. Do, do, please do not tell, tell it like that. You tell the truth what I said. Obviously, I'm closing. 
God has a reason for condemning homosexuality. And it's not because he's homophobic. This is because he knows the design he created. And he knows the pain and the scarring and the chaos that happens in a society when we try to build marriage in our own image instead of his image. If you're not careful being living in America, you can become soft to sin. That's a good great word. You become desensitized. Why? Because you're around it all the time. You see it is flashed on television. You see it is flashed in a movie. You notice every, people can't even make a movie or a sitcom now without showing a homosexual scene. It's cartoon got it. They got subliminal messages in the cartoon where you got a homosexual bear in the cartoon. And you become so inundated with it until it don't bother you anymore. Until you start saying, you didn't say this 10 years ago, but now you're saying, well, I guess if they love each other. Somebody wrote a song, what love got to do with this? And I know it was different in different context, but, but what love got to do with that? What about what God law says? Now, you ain't going to like this word I'm getting ready to tell you. Yeah, I know it'll be a cuss word to you, but God says it's an abomination. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And see, you're trying to make it fit because, you know, my cousin, man, he done messed around and turned to be a woman. Man, my, my niece, she's just so sweet, but, man, at the time I seen her, she was like, yo, what's up? She all like this, standing like she's some dude grabbing the middle of her pants and everything. What she grabbing? Ain't nothing down there. No more some britches down in there. Now, why am I teaching this? Am I teaching this to hate? No. I'm teaching this to love you. Teaching this to love you. And I'm teaching this so you can kind of get back on the horse and say, hey, I did kind of start feeling like that bishop, like, hey, just, well, whatever. No, it ain't no whatever. I don't care who's doing it. In my family, I got some people, and I'm still going to tell them the truth. I'm still going to tell them the truth. God didn't make it like that. God, now, you might do it, but God didn't make it like that. I still love you. Come here, let me hug you. But you know you ain't no woman. So when we go to the bathroom, you got the same thing I got. Now, come on, quit quit playing now. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, cuz. Come on, cuz. I ain't come on, cuz. The truth will make you free. Beautiful young ladies think that they're men and all these handsome young men think that they're women. Now the devil is a liar. 
Man, you around here want to be like a woman, and they, it's hard enough to try to get a good godly man. You want to be a woman, man, we got, there's already a shortage. Already a shortage. Hallelujah. Ain't nobody mad but the devil. I just had to teach about the origin of marriage. Now, did this, now I'm going to tell you something. Now, I know how to shout you now. It wasn't a shout today. It wasn't a, today. See, man, I thought y'all really big. No, today wasn't a shout. This is just straight out teaching. Had to, had to teach you. So, so now you can get back, you know, where you once were in, you know, in what truth is. And I don't care what your flesh and your feelings telling you, well, we just need to just go ahead and change the way. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I still got to stick with what God said. Ain't got nothing to do with politics. Ain't got nothing to do whether I love you or not. Ain't got nothing to do with none of that. It's got to do with God's truth. And you know what I found out? People may talk about you because you stand strong. But the truth of the matter is people really love strong teaching. And when people stand and they love discipline. You know how I know that? You want to know how I know that? The military ain't nothing but discipline. But boy, I tell you what, they're trying to break the dough down to get in there every day. Because some folks don't know what they want to do in their life. They go in the military so they can get some discipline because they can't get it no other way. So they go to the military. People want discipline. We need to start having more discipline in our churches in the day that we live in. Instead of, instead of trying to become weak and then, you know, want to just please everybody. We need to have balance. Now, we're going to have to get up, get up, we're going to have that, but then we need to just sit down and just have a talk. Now, listen, how you thinking? No, you thinking like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. No, we got to talk. We got to talk. We got to talk. So you need somebody that's going to give you some straight talk. And I'd be the man to give you straight talk every now and then. You know what I'm saying? So I believe everybody all right, you know, patch yourself up. You, you're good. Everybody should be good right about now. But just go ahead and get a Lord of hand clap and pray. Everybody stand on their feet. I'm done. I tell you, I'm going to go just a little bit longer. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. If you don't like me, please love me because that's the only way you're going to get to heaven. Well, I don't like the bishop right now. That's okay. Just love me. You got to like me, but you got to love me and make it in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They say, you know, the divorce rate during the pandemic has gone down. But you know why that's so? People are just not getting married like they were. Hallelujah. Folks. Scared to come out the house, too. A lot of y'all just didn't have no money. I ain't got no money to go to get no voice. Ain't got no money. Everybody will stay with them. I ain't got no money. I think church should be a place where you get a balanced teaching. You should talk about any and everything. 
looking at everything. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me just in time. I've seen young funerals. I've seen people in their 20s, 18s, 30s, 40s, 50s. It really don't matter your age. You can leave here. We, all of us would love to experience having a long life on this side. But it just say for instance, you lived 100 years on this side. It does not compare to eternity on the other side. 100 years really not that, not that, not that long. Take your age, Vincent. Time done went by fast. Next week I'm going to be 59. And, I, and, and I'm still young. But I've been preaching for 37 years. Amen, for 37 years. Probably long some of you all been on the earth, but I've seen God do a lot of things. Thank God for my own life. He worked a miracle in my own life. Hallelujah. Amen. According to man, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't even be standing here looking at y'all. According to man. But how many of you know that man don't have the last say? thank God you're here and here's the, the great thing about it God gave me gave us he made us free moral agents that we have a choice we can decide in our own matters we can decide whether we want to go to heaven or not he's made the way he said choose you this day whom you will serve. Isn't that amazing? You can choose to go to heaven. Or you can choose to go to way down, 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 down. Today you have a choice. So this day.